0: Welcome to the Sixers Mania podcast. I am your host Will Coffrin. Joining me, Sam DiGiovanni. I didn't have anything like clever to say, so I'm just of clutch points. You know, just how you doing, Sam?
1: I'm doing good. <clears throat> what
0: nice. a start to the season it
1: has been, man! It has been so much fun to watch this team play, and the vibes are good for in every direction. They are doing very well. Um, at some point, they will lose. You might think whatever that'll be we shall see but i mean i feel like a lot of <clears throat> i could sense the anticipation building was okay now we got tempered for the celtics and i mean they almost pulled a classic sixers and fucking lost but no doc rivers to they, stu- no no do it this time the, the spirit of doc rivers is still there still on its way out no harden
0: um, no simmons nope. not happening no
1: nope. i mean they held on um huge fourth quarter for Maxie, obviously, and, the obviously again, the way that it ended, not great, but they still won. Six straight. Um and they seem to have some easy opponents coming up soon. So yeah, things are looking great in Land I don't I don't think either of us or many other people could have imagined us feeling this good about the team uh during the at any point in the offseason.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean I mean it could have been predictable once the Phillies started utterly collapsing and then the sixers just stole the good vibes from the phillies and you know maybe not the sequence you would have wanted would have liked the phillies to finish it off but hey mm-hmm. i'll take it the sixers are the team i care about most the, uh
1: the sixers beat the suns on a saturday afternoon so that's that's revenge maybe that,
0: <laughs> right the, who who really cares about the world series anyway uh without without <clears throat> booker and and Beal as well yeah. um i'll say this about the sixers like okay on one hand, I can say if I were to predict every game before the season, I would have said the Sixers at this point would have been five and two rather than six and one because I would have predicted losses to the Bucks and the Celtics and then wins. Especially if you told me no Booker, no Beal. But on the other side of things, I the way it's going is better, and I also think they kind of got hosed. And I'm one thing; I'm not like a ref blaming guy. Um. Yeah, but no, I thought they got hosed against the Bucks, so I don't know. In in some ways, I kind of feel like they should be undefeated. And uh, like once, I, like I said, it's kind of the way they're doing it. I know they almost collapsed against the Celtics, but I'm going to be honest; I really was never worried. I don't know, you know. Uh, obviously, I was not loving how it was going, but also if you're just projecting that forward in terms of how that collapse reflects upon the state of the team, it was really just Melton being terrible, and we'll we'll get into the to the to the game more so just a second but i mean melton was just abysmal and he's a, he's a good player i i he's going to be better than what he's playing like right now it's a new role it's a lot to ask for him so like i'm not i'm really i really don't have that many concerns which is a bad sign i'm sure they'll they'll s- surely start tanking now and we're going to lose the pistons tomorrow i guess now that i said this
1: i mean the pistons are t- i mean look they tried to beat the pistons but the pistons aren't pushovers at least um and yeah quick on melton like <clears throat> i think we can all tell that like. know he's a good player we know what he can do he's just doing he's overtaxed he like this team's lack of ball handling injuries kind of fell to him because he's one of the starting guards and he's just not someone that you can ask to create when like against a truly set defense and like ask him to go like create something out of nothing that's just not that's never been his game and the fact that it is now just speaks to the lack of ball handling on the team and part of it is just you know sometimes shooters go through cold stretches and I mean, he just had four or five, he just made four or five the other day, A, you know, weaker opponent for sure. But like, I think eventually his point percentage would stay allowed. There's, there really is no, like, I mean, obviously <clears throat> if you want to look at how they stack up against the best of the best, there's debate, but there is no long-term like concern about the team. Would you agree?
0: I mean, I think they're. There's like not to concern. say that they're
1: like on their way to the title, but there's nothing like, oh, this is like the bane of our existence, right? And we can just tell this shit is horrible. Like, this doesn't really feel like there's anything like this.
0: Yeah, I might, I might sort of t- touch on that a little bit later too, but I sort of feel like the way it, it might be an answer to your question. I think they just have a a lot of small problems. It's not like, like when yeah. it was hardened, it was like, like the Bucks right.
1: defense, it's nothing like that. The Bucks defense right. is like a legitimate, like, there's, yeah, like, like you said, smaller problems.
0: I think it's like you. I wish their playmaking was better. I wish their wings were maybe a little bit more defensive minded. I wish the shooting was slightly better across. They have been shooting well, but like I'm not buying this three point percentage necessarily. Yeah. Um. So it, it's it's a bunch of minor tweaks like that, and and they can fix some of that with trade targets. Of course, they haven't made a trade, and um, we'll talk about the hard stuff because I gave my 3 a.m. thoughts the last time, and I, I've clarified since then. Uh, cause I was pretty negative at the time. I'm pretty satisfied. Uh, to be honest, it, it did not, it took me seeing one game of James Harden and being like, oh yes, this is, this is what I don't miss. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about the Celtics game. Um, let's get into it unless you had any other thoughts on what I was just saying right there.
2: No, nah, let's do
0: it. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the Celtics started off just getting transition buckets left and right, and it was kind of concerning. Um, However, I do think my boy Kelly Oubre, who never doubted, I actually legitimately did not doubt him. A lot of people did. And it was the one time I zagged. It was like the, you know, it, there's always a disconnect. And this might be stepping on my take of how I hate NBA Twitter, but but I tend to agree with a lot, some of the things NBA Twitter says. And NBA Twitter, the one thing they were wrong about is they all hated Kelly Oubre. And I was like, listen, I don't care about all the baggage. He's a six seven or six six wing that can shoot and he's athletic and if he tries hard on defense that's he's a at least a brain dead chucker that will bail us out and this is a team that has never had that and he's done everything i i've expected to, him to do so anyway i don't mean to go on it and kill you a great tangent but that was just my guy absolutely love him i, I mean i love him more than i expected but he, and he's not this good but anyway i digress Uber started off with dunk. They got a bunch of transition buckets, but then the Sixers really just cleaned that up. It was nice to see a coach making adjustments. It was the players adjusting. Uh, Bill Simmons made a joke on Twitter how he liked playing the Sixers a lot better when uh, he's, of course, a massive Celtics fan when one of their starters was not trying on, on defense or trying to sweat or do anything. And I it, it it is very evident they all try their asses off. It's like Embiid said, "There's not a lot of the only guy with an ego on the team is Embiid." Not Embiid said that, but Embiid said this team doesn't have any egos. I'm like, this is just a very enjoyable brand of basketball. Is it a title winning one? Probably not, but I think they they can maybe fix that. So it's interesting.
1: Yeah, they um that that part about him about the ego, I didn't take that as a slight. I mean, potentially could be seen as one against Starden. Like, I think it's actually one, think against one against Simmons that ego. people
0: aren't. I can uh, factoring yeah. in as much too. I, I think it's more I, so about Sims than Harden, but I do think it's a I would bit agree so. because
1: I think. Um, and Doc. Yeah. I, I don't know. He liked Doc. Like he was always a big Doc guy.
0: Right. But I still think. Was. I still think Doc probably had an ego. And I think the other yeah. guys, I think he liked Doc, <laughs> but I think he's, he's cool with the guys on the team and they probably didn't like Doc. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut That's off fair. what
1: you were saying. No, no. Um, yeah. It, um. It was very interesting to see them, the Celtics go with um, Drew on Embiid. They did what they did last year that um, was like kind of the death blow to the Sixers of going with like a um, one guy against Embiid and one guy roaming off to cut off everything in the paint. But they can't really do a double big lineup because their big man rotation is not nearly as deep. So they just had Drew. And it was interesting because, like, he probably is, like, the most, you know, like, not to say maybe he's not, like, he might be pound for pound stronger than Tatum, um, even though Tatum I think is, is bigger. Like I think Drew just is like is so much better, like getting under Embiid, and his hands are so quick that and Embiid's not the tightest ball handler anyway. That like, and they can still rotate over, <clears throat> right? And with the, we saw with those transition buckets that Joel was trying to like, he did have that one nice spin move into a dog, but he also like anyone, like even like the best guards, put the ball in front of Drew Holiday, and it's, it can be dangerous. So the the fact that Embiid, like, he still tried to do some things here and there, but it wasn't like he was just, like, throwing himself entirely. Um, and the fact that they, you know, obviously eventually stabilized things in the second quarter, I want to say, like near the end of the second. Yeah, second, sec- second we definitely. Kept it going um, throughout the rest of the game. And then Maxi leads a great run in the fourth quarter to pull away. So one of the things I've been doing different this year with Clutch Points is doing a post-game series called five critical plays, where I just pick five plays that kind of go like under the ra- like under the radar or are big enough to talk about, just kind of like showing more of the game, not just breaking down the, you know, big highlight reel shots and stuff like that. So one of the things I did was back to his fourth quarter and he it felt like every floater he took was different. Off a different right. foot, different, different side, angles different different angles, different like arc to his shot. He, the one that I picked to focus on, he snaked his dribble back to the right and was like just in front of the elbow. And he had like, he hadn't even like fully extended his right leg and he got it over Porzingis and made it. It was really fantastic to watch. His, his growth has been just absolutely fantastic to see. And he was already a super fun player. And the fact that he is taking the sleep again and the fact that he is improving his playmaking while having more playmaking reps is just like unfathomable, obviously, it's his growth can like everyone feel like it's just like speechless about how much better he's continuing to be. And that fourth quarter run shows like against Celtics without Embiid because he was sitting in the beginning of the fourth, like just super impressive.
0: Yeah, when he entered the league, it was kind of like. Even his biggest supporters, it was the best comparison was maybe at his best. He's a poor man's Donovan Mitchell. He's he's a better playmaker than Donovan Mitchell right now. You <laughs> you could argue, and and then yeah. he like the scoring is is similar. Um, mm-hmm. I mean Mitchell is having a phenomenal year, but uh, mm-hmm. granted, different teams, different situations, but I, I don't know Maxi. I don't have enough good things to say really. I have so many good things to say. It's just I can't believe how good he's gotten and even how his bad games like I would consider this was not as good as his other games especially if you look at the stat sheet. but he's just so good uh it's the opposite yeah. of Harden Harden would have games where I was like this guy was fucking terrible and I stand by it and then you look at the stat sheet, and it was like oh he shoots over 50 percent from the field then he's got 20 and 10 but mm-hmm. with Harden a lot of that was he was also a bunch of those possessions where he passed to a guy who had a rush shot like that doesn't go in the stat sheet for Harden that tj tucker was taking contested three with four seconds on the shot clock but you know like like that doesn't factor in max he's just he's playing perfect basketball and it really uh he's playing to the best of his abilities he's going to have size limitations athletically he's still extremely quick but he's not you know a vertical athlete like Jaden springer uh
1: my My guy didn't springer Who did not play, but it was the right call. He's he's working are, through it. Are
0: are you ready to admit I am right about Jaden Springer?
1: No, not yet. Man. Okay, it's fair enough. I, I listen, listen he he <clears throat> uh, he just shown so much growth that again, maybe he's not a playoff rotation player. He's still got some work to do for sure. But I, I feel like on this like <clears throat> this team with so many athletes, he's a great athlete. And even though he's kind of undersized at six foot four, he's super big and he makes stuff happen. So you know, didn't get the call. Against the Celtics, it both teams kind of ran like a playoff rotation. Uh, Furk had a super quick hook, which I also thought was the right call. But yeah, not ready to give a
0: bunch. I, I agree so, with the but I mean, we'll, we'll see. Statement. Um, let me just they, say they on... need him
1: because of his um, like he's one of the few guys that can actually kind of create off the dribble. But I also think it was the right call to Springer quick or, or Furk. No, Furcon, Furcon oh,
0: Okay. Furcon. Okay. Jeez. like I was like what's your definition of creating off the dribble? <laughs> Jeez. No,
1: dude. Literally watching garbage time. I mean, uh, watching even garbage time against Washington you really didn't know. <laughs> but against like Ryan Rollins and like the Washington backups, it was it was rough setting. No, I meant Furcon in terms of like <laughs> yeah. the creation. No, I agree. Stuff. He's like a
0: wing creator and it's kind of yeah. nice to have, but he just wasn't mm-hmm. playing well. So yeah, kind of Yeah. Didn't, he couldn't
1: get past Sam well. Hauser. It was not his night, and that's okay.
0: And which is fine. I kind of think that's kind of how you should play Furcon. Is if it's his night, you kind of yeah. know early on, and uh, not not super early on. I'm not saying to do the Doc Rivers where he misses <clears throat> one, three, and then you, you yank him. Like like give him a quarter of run and then you know, decide from there. But uh, yeah. On Jaden Springer, I, I can't believe we're talking about him, but I just I, I was thinking about this. Yeah. Like you know how I have my list of or before the playoffs, I had my list of players I'd rather have than James Harden in the playoffs, and I included Ben Simmons on that list. If I made a list of players I'd rather have than Jaden Springer, I think I'd have Michael Carter Williams right now and Tony Roten <laughs> right now over Jaden Springer.
1: Wow, that's nuts.
0: <laughs> what that's does awesome. he do better than Michael Tony Carter Tony Roten?
1: Michael Carter Williams is like okay, he's a little bit bigger and like I get At least Michael Carter Williams in the G League. Is Tony Roten even in the G League? Is he even playing uh, I, professional I think Tony basketball Roten might football?
0: be uh, I want to – allegedly might be in legal trouble. Can I? Say it? I don't know. I I want to get sued. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, I think Tony <laughs> Romo's got some some stuff going on. Pretty okay. sure. Uh, but I I don't know. I Tony <laughs> Romo's probably washed. But that that's kind of my point. Jaden Springer. Yeah, At least Tony Romo could He's drive to the young. basket. Okay, fair enough. Right. Yeah, let's
1: run this back. Let's it's run this back to uh let's run this back to Maxi. Did you see this um not to like toot my home but toot my own horn, but did you see the stat I tweeted out uh this morning?
0: Is it the assisted turnovers? I, I see a lot of tweets. So
1: <clears throat> Yeah, it was. It was okay. he um it, it was a bit of an arbitrary stat, but he you know, forty-nine assists, eight turnovers in seven games, which is super impressive. Um through the first seven games of a season that's only happened sixty-eight times, which is like not super, super rare, but what stands out about Maxi is that he's averaging the most of, of all those. It's sometimes the same player, but a different season. But of all those 68 seasons, he was the highest scoring by far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's um, been
1: the fact that he's been able to like balance what he's been doing and continue to get better, just unbelievable.
0: I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about it, but what I'll say about Maxi is I don't think he makes a ton of impressive passes. This isn't a diss on him. He does, he, but he is very. He's a very smart player. He's not taking these insane risks. Like, he's not going to do a Harden, you know, across the court, whatever. I think he does the best to his ability. I think, was it Maxey yesterday when there was a chance to Ubre and he threw it just over him? Yeah, I think it was Maxi. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. They yeah, were on a fast break. Yeah, and... it was
1: like, the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and it was like, oh, he's just not that great at passing. But I, I, he's still doing an incredible but, but job. But they did connect against
1: down. the Suns for that long alley-oop, though. Right, and that oh, was nice. beautiful. Yeah, right. yeah. He, it, it does feel like Maxie's kind has of been kind of like picking, like he really has been like absorbing some of the basketball knowledge, I want to specify basketball knowledge that Harden left for him. I can't speak to any other on-court uh, activities that Harden gets into if that has rubbed up on Maxi, but um, specifically on-court, like the pocket passes, some of like the movement threes have been very, very similar. And it's been, especially against, uh, again, Washington. Again, take, take Washington's defense's ass, so take for what you will. But he just kept making those nice pocket passes to Embiid in the, on the left side. They just ran that play over and over. And for him, like I said, for him to get better at playmaking as he's jumping right into the role for like, kind of the not the first time in his career, but the first time with like legitimate expectations to be like a star level creator is super impressive.
0: Yeah. Especially when we've tasked other players, Simmons and Harden with roles that they maybe weren't comfortable with. And I'm not saying we're holding hard back him he's a system whatever uh but he uh you like like with harden we were kind of asking him in some ways to be houston harden which is funny because i think it's the opposite of what he was saying but we really needed that perimeter score and he just wasn't that when we had him uh same thing with with ben simmons he wasn't that perimeter scorer with max he was like oh he is the perimeter scorer he's just not the playmaker and he's doing the best he can uh with his abilities so really refreshing to see a guy not just thrive but also with the previous guys they collapsed uh he's not doing that and you know uh, i think he's going to keep getting better as the season progresses or at least i hope so um i mean i do think a skill like that is probably one you just need repetitions with as it goes on because that's something he was not tasked to do with he was with really ball dominant guys and uh nick nurse incredible i i don't want to like keep he's better than what i even thought and i was a very high on nick nurse uh you know like (laughs) this maybe this makes me look like an idiot but i'll say it like in my heart of hearts i didn't think nick nurse was much better than brett brown and i I really liked brett brown so that's not like a a diss but watching this now i'm like oh like brett brown was just like a, a solid coach in my opinion i still stand by that i'm like nick nurse is a great coach and then doc rivers i think is a shit coach so it's just refreshing to go from from one end of the spectrum to the other, uh, in my yeah. opinion,
1: the, the upgrade has been very apparent, and that's a doc. I enjoyed covering doc; he was very funny, but it does feel like Nick has just like uh, more, you know, understanding of the modern game, and is more willing to do different types of things, and is willing to like risk some things not working out, but at least seeing that they're not working out, and then going back to things that he knows will work. They, they've really it looks so much different on offense there's some pick and roll but it's a lot more dribble handoffs which are like super We're better easy at ways.
0: though. <clears throat> so yeah. i'm fine with that
1: yeah very easy to kind of like get someone going especially when you have a guy as big as indeed sitting on the screen and he can obviously skill enough to fake it and then get into the post or the paint do whatever he wants to do but yeah defensively everyone's buying in your guy tell you i was admittedly like quite skeptical but i think the high tech twenty twenty, but the fact that the Sixers um signed him was kind of showing that he was willing to buy into what Nick Nurses wanted. And he's still a high volume scorer scoring. I don't know if he's at twenty a game right now. I believe he's, he's up there and it. he's he's yeah, okay. He's just playing within his means, Tobias too, like, you know, it feels like the a lot of the responsibilities on NBA seventeen point four for
0: Ubre. Just but but Probably. yes. Yeah.
1: And then yeah, and Tobias looks like so decisive, just like going to the rim and I feel like there's like a uh, uh, um a sense of like empowerment w- amongst the players with Nurse to like not to say that everyone has the green light to go do what they want, but like to you know unleash your skill with the, with the ball if you have it. Or to, I think some of that's hard on, hard too, though.
0: Would Would you yeah. agree?
1: I mean, that's the system. I, especially the mostly with, with bias. I would say. Yeah.
0: And and I, I guess Maxie. Yeah, I,
1: I think just the and the uh, Maxie was talking about yesterday how the defense like just worked for them and offensively there's enough variety i feel like the the emphasis of getting out in transition turning defense into offense i feel i feel that more under nurse than i did doc at least the you know one year for doc that i was in the building for um and i feel like that's super helpful too and they have it's different also because like they have the guys to run now like last season going to lineups you know asking guys like george niang and pj Tucker to get out in the fast break even a guy like harden who can handle the ball and score but wasn't super willing to like go run up and down like it's just a lot different and you know Daryl has salvaged the, the Harden situation much better than anyone thought and the new guys look really good and they seem to they seem to have bought in very quickly. Um, yeah all around um, I, I predicted beginning of the season that nurse would get some love for coach of the year. I didn't predict that he would win it. I thought that would go to Rick Carlisle or maybe Mark Dagnall, um, whatever. I think still Rick
0: Carlisle's a good call. I mean, he's fourth. Yeah, I mean, it's always pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, the the awards for the NBA are kind of sometimes arbitrary. For the coach of the year, it's always coach of the team that outperforms expectations the best. Or a coach who coaches the team with like 55 wins. So, But I I do think if the Sixers continue to outperform their expectations and I don't think they're going to end the season first in the East, but if they're up there record wise, I think he could absolutely be a candidate potentially win. again. I still think guys of coaches of younger teams who are going to take a leap similar to like how uh, Mike Brown won it last year. It's going to be the same thing, but yeah, nurse has been better than advertised.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about expectations. I mean, you thought the Sixers were going to be like the fucking 10 seed with the sorry ass Knicks ahead of them. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just, goodness. just, that was our, our last oh argument goodness. so i just had to point that 20, 20, 20. one out it's fine we'll, uh <laughs> but uh you know just just okay. had to throw that one in no there,
1: that's right. fair i mean listen it's a long season we'll see i'm not oh yeah yeah, yeah I'm, Julius I'm not, not trotting back right? on
0: defense <laughs> no no comment I'm, uh, even more than my jaden springer victory lap i want to take julius <laughs> randall victory laps just for the right. entire podcast listen I, mean, you're... I don't know how how many how how many recorded julius randall thoughts i have but you've heard them for yes, a decade
1: so. Yeah, listen i still think your take that he didn't deserve the the mip award is wrong he didn't just win it cuz he won more games he did make listen if you want to say it's mickey mouse because it was the year where there were were no fans for half the year He's and they played minutes that's not exactly what happened. He got better in areas, and he helped a team vastly up from the expectations. He was, deserved. if you listen, if you want to say it's all Fugazi, it's all fake, and he's not a real star. That's fine. I still think that award. He played the one. most
0: COVID-riddled teams that year, and Julius Randall was playing forty minutes a game. I don't want to hear it. Uh, he also just eye test sucks. I've uh, never been good at anything. Glorified Tobias Harris. Uh, th- speaking of Tobias Harris, though, you did mention the one point I, I wanted to say: uh, transition it is crazy. Tobias Harris has always been the most infuriating guy in transition for me. And I actually think he, and once again, maybe it's nurse, maybe it's whoever it may be. uh, He has made it a point to get downhill and go with the ball in transition. And it's always been crazy because he was the guy who's like, slow it down. I'm going to post up like after a rebound. I was like, come on, man. And it was always one of those things where I'd pray he would not get the rebound because of how much he wanted to slow it down. And I know the Sixers were always a slow team, but there were times when we had Ben do, it was like, Tobias, get the ball to Ben. Get the ball to Ben. Like Ben's trying, I mean, like, and he wasn't yeah. doing it. And and now Tobias is like, I can do it myself. So that's always, it's a nice thing to see as so. well.
1: I can um have a quote pulled up from Tobias that someone asked him in his media availability about getting downhill. Um, and he basically just kind of said like <clears throat> um, that it's something that he, you know, works on, not as like a specific focal point just to grow you know, continue fine tuning all the areas of his game and that coaches and told him since training camp to keep going. And that kind of has that green light to keep going to get the ball and go right downhill. And it feels like the reward for working on that aspect of his game for the, yeah, he has been rewarded for working on that aspect of his game with the, the freedom that he has. And even in the half court too, like the biggest thing with Tobias has been that he is, you know, uh plays at a slower pace he's not always quick with his decisions and it's kind of changing with and his decision has routinely been to just get downhill and his you know he's big enough to where he can get off a good looking shot even if it's kind of like going off the side and kind of like throwing it off the backboard at a tough angle but yeah last year he was very impressive because he was becoming the like the volume three shooter everyone kind of wanted for him now he's kind of you know doing a little bit of the the opposite but it's been worked very well so far. His his scoring efficiency has been very, very good so far. And we'll see if it continues, but yeah, so far, great.
0: It won't continue, but I, it's nice to see. Um I'll just uh, another thing a quick observation I had during the Celtics game. Uh people were talking about the officials on the Celtics side. Uh they did come out in the last two minutes that Embiid did step out and they didn't call it granted it would have given the Celtics the ball back with four seconds left. And yes they absolutely could have hit a three to tie it but like I'm not gonna act like that it was game changing. I do feel like Kelly Oubre was hit on the head like several times. I know you go to the game, so we don't have the same angles. I was almost going to text you the Batum thing because that was funny. I was like, I know you're at the game, but they showed it on TV, and it, like he's because everyone was wondering. It's I, I saw all the beat reporters being like, not sure what happened to Batum. It's like, yeah, his fingers. 90 degree angle I right just now.
1: saw I mean I just <laughs> saw him like smack the you know he was trying to get a test for bullet yeah, right. can test because it's so much taller and he had he was in front of him I just saw him like go for the rim and he came like right down and he was holding his hand and he left the game so that's yeah. why I first tweeted out I'm like over oh, to him held his hand and then as I was walking <clears throat> um back to the media room for halftime I saw a screenshot. Yeah, right I was like oh that's bad. yeah
0: right I, but, I, uh, I
1: couldn't really see his finger I don't know if he also had his back to us after he came right. down and he just, and then he, the locker room, the Sixers bench on the other side of the court from us. So yeah, we didn't really have a fresh look at it. I don't, Maybe people who sit closer than me did, but also like, I'm in the, like it's, it's in the hundred section. So I feel like if they could have seen it, I could have, but, yeah, ugly injury. The fact that he came back at all. was yeah, right. Very impressive.
0: Yeah. Honestly, great for Nick to uh, I thought that was the beginning of the end of his miraculous run, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, but I do want to say, yeah, uh, like I was saying, Ubre, I felt like they missed a lot of calls on him. The, I mean, like I said, people were talking about the refs being bad first, the Celtics. I thought there were missed calls on both sides. I did not love the officiating yeah. of that game in general. It was not great. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it was heavily fa- – I thought it was bad for both teams. And I will say, uh, hey, too many technicals. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, uh, for
1: hanging on the fucking rim is so stupid. Like, if someone's –
0: like, it, I think it's yeah. for what he said to Ubre, but but on Porzingis, it was for hanging on the rim. Uh, for Ubre, it was because he was bitching for a call and okay. yeah. and they, they it was a real quick trigger is what it looked like yeah it, it was
2: always very annoying for guys to get hit with that kind of stuff but i think both I mean, technicals were missed finished.
0: which was kind of nice like a the, the six like maxi missed the technical and i think tatum missed the technical hey, too um, for, yeah yeah for the the, non- the ball don't lie moment Even But uh, right uh Ubre and, and just in general he i felt like this year he's been drawing contact and not getting calls he's only averaging 3.6 attempts per game and he usually shoots more free throws than that i know he's also tend to take more shots but uh in general his free throw rate is uh is not as high as it has been even when he was averaging less points on other teams so i just think that's interesting though i think it will turn around for rubre uh in terms of getting to the line because right now he's averaging less free throw attempts than tobias and he's definitely better at, at being aggressive and getting towards the rim than tobias is. so uh, i just think that's one thing to note. Uh, and then, in terms of the officiating again, I just want to talk about in terms of flukiness versus the Celtics. I, I really don't think it's that fluky. The one thing I will say is Jalen Brown was absolute dog shit, and I don't think he's this bad. However, I do have concerns about Jalen Brown, just in terms of he, he really cannot dribble, and I don't think he's gotten any better in the past couple of years. I think he's just.
1: already Reed got good. him at, at half court on that. Uh, tried to split the defense, and he couldn't. <laughs> and that led to that open
0: uh, break. That was beautiful. Yeah. That was probably my, my was favorite play, play. Of, the, of the evening. But um, yeah, I was going to say uh, he was really bad, but Derek White was uncharacteristically good. I saw Bill Simmons tweeting about how they should have drawn up more plays for Derek White, who took like 20 shots. So I don't really think that was the case. But um, and we didn't talk. I You talked a lot about the holiday on Embiid. I thought that Joe Mazzulla. I don't think is a great coach. I thought that was actually a particularly ballsy call. And I actually thought it was the right call. I think Drew Holiday is teams see it as a mismatch, but really it's, like, Drew yeah, Holiday locks everyone up.
1: They were talking about it on the right, tricky Sanchez, that the Celtics have been good at like baiting Embiid to go one on one, of like giving him the illusion that like he can take well, the he guy one on one. Whether it's like Soldier Horford, yeah, oh yeah, he definitely yeah. Wants to go to Horford. But even with Holiday, and I mean, it's not wrong. Like Joel's fucking like huge, and he he did a good job of like using his physicality to post up. Whether it was Holiday or Porzingis, he bullied the fuck out of Porzingis. He was good. Porzingis was good, especially on offense. It felt like the Sixers were not letting him go anywhere unattended, especially the paint. But he is just so slender, and then Bede was just kicking his ass in the paint. But at least with Drew, he's strong enough and his hands are quick enough to where it's super tough. And there were some times where he obviously made it tough for Embiid. Yeah. I, I Did you see the the exchange Missoula had with Gary Washburn, one yes. of the Southern Speed reporters? He the Too Many Threes one, I assume. You... Seven fucking years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Wild exchange. <laughs> for so Please look fun. it up for those who haven't seen it. But, uh, yeah, uh, he was referencing an article he wrote in 2016 about the Celtics shooting too many threes, and it was very – it was just an –
1: Was he even with the Celtics? I'm going to look up if he was even a fucking assistant with the Celtics. <laughs>
0: so I would funny.
1: think – I mean, like, Look, at least um, Washburn writes for – I don't even know. The Boston Globe? Like, he's been around a while, so it's not like he's some – yeah. Yeah, Mizzoula was first an assistant in 2019. Ninth, the the uh, bubble.
0: Yeah, game. he was probably – he was in his, like, mid-20s in – when that article was written
1: that's
2: fantastic yeah
0: yeah that's so funny but yeah i I mean i I don't anyway yeah i don't think mizzou was very good but i thought that was a good adjustment and i i want to say i don't think he's as bad as people think i think he's like right where he is but i think a lot of people won't want to give him because they hate him they've decided that they hated him that they don't want to give him credit for the times that he's right and i actually think that was the right (laughs) move and uh he does some interesting stuff i do think um i think the sixers the my, I guess my one criticism, now granted this might be a Tobias criticism, it might be a Nick Nurse criticism, might be the other guys for not finding Tobias. When they have Embiid, they should make it a point when Embiid has Drew Holiday. They did. They were bringing help with Porzingis. I do think that Embiid should look the kick it to Tobias Harris and Tobias has to know, I got to shoot this, uh, especially when he's in the corner. It's like wide open corner three almost every time. And, and it doesn't really feel like the Sixers were taking advantage of that. When it was P.J. Tucker, it made a little bit more sense because that guy is very... Hesitant to do anything on offense, but all oh, he wants is to respond? do
1: corner yeah, yeah, and they can do more with him too. Like, you know, someone's leaving PJ out in the corner, and you got to make sure he's not going. I mean, that's kind of all you have to watch out for. If he goes above the break, not shooting, he might not even look at the rim. Tobias yeah. can do more, and I feel like they could have. When I first saw that, I'm like, oh wow, they're so they're roaming off Tobias, who like. <clears throat> You know, the maybe more plausible would have been Melton, given just how bad he's been. But it was it was just interesting because they don't have any like PJ was. It's so apparent now, watching the other guys too, that they got that PJ's willing unwillingness to do anything on offense besides shoot from the corner was such a handicap. And i Clippers fans were already pissed about it. Um, Especially for a team that didn't have
0: great shot creating. Like it was was other teams. He can definitely do it on. He can do it on the Clippers. We'll be fine.
1: I was gonna say he could do it's they need to not start Russ, bring him off the bench. Like it's just too much redundancy. Like PJ should only be playing with Harden from this point on. And like, he can still do stuff. He's still a good player. I think his no bullshit style of leadership, like sometimes can be seen as kind of corny or be as a cliche, but I think matters a good deal in the locker room, regardless of.
0: I think PJ is still a with, positive but, asset. I know people yeah. complain about his contract. But and, just, and, and it, it's and such a him,
1: specific, though, right? um, it's such a specific role. And the right. Clippers, I mean, Ty Lue's a good coach, so maybe he will figure some shit out, but yeah, rough start for them.
0: I don't think Ty Lue wants James Harden, if I'm, it is my early take. It doesn't seem like the quotes were, yeah. that he really,
1: that, that was,
0: a uh, he wants him to play off ball. <laughs> then why did he, why the he video?
1: The, the video of uh, of, uh, Steve Ballmer and I think Lawrence Frank going to greet PJ and,
0: uh, James. Oh, so I don't even, I didn't even see that. I mean, I'll look that up this after was, this podcast. Yeah. But uh, I feel I
2: like was. It was so great
0: funny. Great transition because I want to talk about Harden. So I last gave my three AM thoughts. Uh, I would love to give my current thoughts, but I'd also like to hear from someone else because it was my me doing solo. I wasn't waking anyone up to do a podcast. Um, I'll I'll let you go with your thoughts on the trade return. We talked about Batum a little bit. Uh, who obviously has been great, but I want to hear you
1: talk about it. So the, the crux of the trade was obviously the picks and the maintaining of future flexibility. And the picks they got seem to be a pretty uh, decent value. One of the unprotected Clippers uh, picks is pretty good. They got second rounder for this year that has some of the most confusing conveyances slash protections I've ever seen.
0: It's oh, yeah. like... I've been on I... the trade machine cooking up war crimes and... I bet. And and my God, uh that, it, it's the long it's a whole paragraph underneath that trade. And literally, yeah,
1: even in the press release, I read it, I'm like, wait, what the fuck? like I, I was so confused, but it it's still one pick, but like it's not just between the best of two picks. It's between the best of two picks, but one of the picks is the best of two picks. One of those picks, it's so confusing. But anyway, that was obviously the the focus of the trade. I think it's good that they got some good draft capital back to i i I feel like the daryl knows that he wants to you know take advantage of the season try to make a trade mid-season but that the flexibility this offseason and the other picks that will become available to trade after like a certain a period of time in the nba calendar um will be very helpful just the fact that they got some picks was huge and then the players um i I feel like the two that have played so far are going to be the only ones that end up playing serious minutes for the Sixers, barring any injuries. Um, Marcus Morris is, his best days are behind him. He's lost plenty of steps. I don't expect him to play that much more. KJ Martin. Uh, I kind of like what he – I'm intrigued to see them use him as like a, <clears throat> a vertical spacer. I don't think he's going to break I don't think he is either. No, I don't think he is either. He's an he interesting piece, than... though. For sure. Yeah, he is. He's someone that I mean, he's a cheap contract, so maybe he's a sweetener in a future trade or whatever. But Batum and Covington, the, the fact that they got Robert Covington back, I think was awesome. He was definitely happy to be back, as he showed on social media and as he explained in his um, first media availability after the practice. The Batum thing. Let me let me ask you this real quick about Batum. Did you ever think he was just going to step away and retire after getting traded?
0: Um. Not quite it was more so but i did when everyone else was talking about it i thought people might have had more inside information than they were letting on yeah. um but i can I, and it sounds corny but the fact that because i don't even know if he runs his social media but the fact that he said like go sixers in my next chapter yeah that was to good. me. indicated that i don't know once again he maybe doesn't do his own social media but like that if he knew he was going to retire right away I, I don't know uh one thing i won't do is call nico batum who i i don't know I, respect to batum for at age 35 deciding he was gonna decide yeah. what people call him but
1: it, it's been an adjustment um
0: i saw your tweet I, about it and i was like wait why are you doing that because i heard kate scott saying it i was like i don't know kate scott like she has a relationship like i don't know like george niang she was that, i mean that's whatever
1: it's he's one of the like people have asked him what do you want to be your right yeah like, she explained oh, that on the broadcast but, but he said like it doesn't matter but like it does because it's your like name and so i mean maybe i'll just go back to i i don't even know
0: like he i went by like, Billy throughout 60... high school so like i can relate but i at least made it once i hit 19 i was like making a decision batum was like yeah, 35 Nico, now Nico, it's
1: good. nico's an adjustment but i don't
0: know he's nick batum anyway but, uh I, anyway I, yeah I, well, I, go on about uh, your thoughts on the tree I,
1: so okay. i was the the social media posts and the fact that he showed up to so it's very fair to say, I think, that he was the least enthusiastic of the four players uh to leave the Clippers. He for loved, sure, it there, but loved Ma- Morris and,
0: and Covington both have Philly connections. Morris being from right, right, here, right. and then Covington right. was out of the rotation in LA and he had his best years in Philly. So right, right,
1: for sure. I think and then and KJ Martin even said like he did have family in LA, but he mentioned that he and Rico Hines have known each other for quite some time and he, has some fam- passing familiarity with Maxi and Springer, at least. So, yeah, Matoum said, like, he loves playing for Ty Lue. He wanted to retire with the Clippers. So I understand, like, if he was, like, kind of feeling ticked off about the trade or he preferred not to do it. But he was there the day the trade was official at practice, and then he stepped away. I figured that if he was so upset that he was just going to retire, why even go through the trouble of, like, saving of trying to, like, save face like that? So it was obviously not that there's ever – he he described it um, when he talked when he came back as a serious family thing, and it was obviously never a right time for that to ever happen. But it was like I don't know, interesting, notable, and not in, I not in like a you know eyeball emoji, intriguing type of way, but just like oh, the trade happens, and now he has to immediately step away. But yeah, I never bought the idea that he was going to straight up retire. And also, I think part of it was just like the hard thing was fresh in everybody's minds. Nick Batum has never been, to my knowledge, a guy to create drama. So, like, if again, I understand his frustration, like any frustrations he might have about wanting to leave the team that he said saved his career, but I I didn't think it was really in the cards for him to do it. Um, And I'm glad that he is sticking it out and continuing to play with the Sixers because he is a lot of fun to watch. He's such a smart guy. You can just tell, like, even though he's losing steps athletically, he's as sharp as he's ever been and Santa are quick. He can just do a little bit of everything. Like, he's not a guy that you're going to, like, throw the ball to and ask to do something. But as a connective piece, I feel like he's just perfect for the role. I've very much enjoyed watching him so far. And I'm going through trying to see the reputation of, like, who would be the best fifth starter. And he's a strong contender for it because he can, like I said, Are you saying kicking
0: Ubre out, my boy Kelly-O?
1: Potentially, or even, um, I I haven't checked the net ratings for lineups. Apparently, the starting lineup with Batum in Mountain's place has been fantastic. That's what I was thinking because that's just so much
0: length and defense. And then, you know, I mean, it puts a lot on Maxi shoulders. Um, About Batum, I will say, just in terms of connections, Something I didn't know. I didn't realize his, his dad was from Cameroon and Embiid obviously from Cameroon. Yeah, and, and I didn't know Speaks. that
1: either until he mentioned it in the um in his press conference <laughs> the other day.
0: Right. Speaks French. Embiid famously tweeted after we drafted Timothy Lawabu Wabu that he was like finally someone I could speak French with. So I'm sure Embiid was happy about that. But it is funny. It was like a lot of like a lot of good stories were that kind of were linked to the Sixers. <laughs> I mean, I you know, Nick Batum, uh his father died when he was young so I don't want to say like two good stories but like I, he, and like his father was from Cameroon anyway um you know like there, there was that French slash Cameroon connection with Embiid Morris has the Philly connection uh Covington played here of course so like there were a lot of heartwarming stuffs, and the, and then getting rid of James Harden who we didn't want here like I don't know the the vibes are good and I don't want to you know you're not going to build a championship team based on vibes but batoum has been a useful player and i know in his past uh he's been uh, and i don't think they're going to do this with him but we are to G- nick but or nick nurse is a creative coach and in his past nick batoum has been used as a playmaker now granted that was like in 2018 when he was a bit younger a bit different player but uh, he has been used as a playmaker before. He averaged, yeah, uh, five and a half assists in 2018, five point nine in 2017. Uh, like it's something that he's been tasked with before and has done it. And he does make smart passes. I don't know. In the Celtics game, he was uh, telling Tobias to cut on one of the times because he saw that the center was uh, cheating out, and uh, Tobias got a dunk. It was like sh- semi in transition. But uh, did you see? Was- yeah, I noticed Nicole, that too. I- on the
1: um, he, it was a nice uh, mo- moving screen. If we want to
0: be, right.
1: he was he was cutting, but in the direction it was like the, it's like the pick play in football on the goal line where the guy's trying to run in breaking route, but he's really trying to run into the defender. Right, side. of
0: course.
1: Yeah, he didn't get called for it. He pointed out to I don't care, the ball, but yeah, his playmaking just shows up in a lot of different ways. And and we need yeah. playmaking.
0: And and he's a great shooter yes. and defender still. Uh, cr- mm-hmm. I, of course he's not going to keep shooting the percentage that he's shooting, but and the defense, yes, it's fallen off a little bit, but he's still a good defender. He's just really smart. He's. A perfectly normal player I don't know how to put it I've been I thought he was cooked um but I've been very pleasantly surprised I know the shooting is going to go down I just like the quick trick. he's been a very helpful piece Uh, he seems like a great guy so I I love having Batum on the team and that's kind of I I wanted to talk about my thoughts further when I really boiled it down and I, I said this on the podcast how like realistically I did I wanted Harden gone so like that was the the bright side but the thought I thought about more I'm like Honestly, and like, yes, this is a crazy take, but like, I was like, I'd rather have Batum than James Harden because James Harden is just going to sink my team and Batum at least a helpful player, like as, mm-hmm. as minor as that help is. And I was like, and so not only did we get Batum, we got Covington who, I don't know, Covington is definitely not as good as what he used to be. I think it's interesting. Nurse has him in the corner a lot. Covington's always been a the break shooter. I don't, I don't know, especially when he was in here, he pretty much never went into the corner. So always find that interesting uh and he's of course slower the deflections are still there from covington so respect on that but uh i don't i don't know like we get that and plus these picks to to acquire another play i mean i think it it can really depending on what daryl does with it uh could really be a great trade i think if we held on to the picks and did nothing which i don't think we're going to do we can trade five picks this offseason i mean that's all that's usually enough to get a star and when you look at those picks especially with how the clippers have looked those picks could be really valuable um so I- I'm very pro Harden trade right now. I- I'm, you know, I'm glad his presence is not with the team. I do think it was the right move. So, as depressed as I might have been at 3 a.m., I think it was the it was the right call. So that that's kind of yeah. my
1: I gave um I think, thoughts. I gave the Clippers a higher grade than the Sixers because I was trying to, you know, keep in mind, you know, all the Harden drama. Obviously, was ridiculous and not fun to keep up with, especially the like little tidbits of information. Um I loved seeing a Woj bomb or a Sham notification in the middle of my drive to Camden of if James Harden was going to be there or not. Super fun. Um, right. but I was trying to keep in mind as I was writing the trade trade grades that yes Harden fell out in the playoffs again but that he's still an automatic 20 and 10. One of the best playmakers even though he's not like a in rhythm connective type of guy. Like he's still just he can create mm. windows and get the ball to two guys. He's still very good, though. Would you agree? At least he's still very good.
0: Lazy playmaker, and then will often... I mean, uh, oh, my God. He just... He goes... Listen. He gives the ball to the other team so many times. It's like, if you just gave a modicum of shit, you could be such a better player. He makes these not incredible wrong. passes, and it's just frustrating to watch, is all. Not
1: wrong. Not wrong. Listen, I but I was still trying to keep that in mind as I wrote the, um, our, the trade grade article. So I gave the Sixers, I think, a B, because I wasn't as certain as like which of the new guys would be like part of the rotation to what degree they would help the team like keep going but and you know obviously again it's very early the season we'll see how it all plays out the Sixers definitely have the upper hand now um and with the Hard and Ben like trade both of those guys are just so volatile that things can go super right or super wrong at least in Ben's case it's kind of less wrong or all the way wrong so it was like did you see see him spike that ball versus the
0: bulls like that is oh my god it was one of the worst so i'll explain to the audience too there was um i think it was levine shooting free throws i could be wrong i think it was the bulls um two-point game there's five seconds left roughly two-point game levine shooting the second of free throws it would um of course down two um he misses Ben, instead of grabbing the rebound because he doesn't want to get fouled, he just spikes the ball. Levine gets it at the three point line, takes a game, a game, potential game tying or game winning three because, it, because Ben Simmons is afraid to shoot free throws. One of the most wild things for a guy that acts like he is not phased by it and acts like he's 100% back. Like he is terrified of shooting free throws. Like there is no saving Ben Simmons. I, I, I feel, I, I do feel a little bad for the guy. Um,
1: Admittedly, I've only crazy. seen the, Admittedly, I only really watched the Nets when they played the search in the preseason. He really does not want to use his body. He's so big, and he continues to insist on shooting. I mean, maybe like he continues to insist on shooting these like ridiculous, like one handers, like going to the side of the rim instead of just like going right up. It's it, really it's it's like I don't even know if it's the back thing. He said it was all good for the season. No, he he's but just,
0: he's lost. I'm it's, I'm it it's it's really sad downfall because it kind of goes back onto, you know, vibes that we're just talking about. Um, I loved the 2018 team and I loved uh, even a couple of years ago when we were the one seed in the East and like, that's the vibes I feel of this team. Uh, But when we, I loved Ben Simmons so much, but there were inklings that this is where he was heading down. I can't believe we're talking about Ben Simmons, but anyway, um, (laughs) it's just like what, what you were saying, they were both very volatile and uh, it's just, to not have that in my life so i'm sending you this clip you can watch if i'm going on a tangent at any point but uh i just it needs to be shown to the to the world um all right
2: i'll give it a look
0: (laughs) I a live live reaction but um anyway i wanted to say too uh speaking of the bulls and levine because he's a target i did not mention and we'll talk more a little bit about him but i just want to say briefly when you're factoring in your trade aids i think it's just really hard to factor in what they're going to get for those trades they could very well because right, the sixers all the-
1: are still they have work to do they're not done right. they're just getting started.
0: they could turn those picks into levine and i would argue i'd rather ha- i personally would rather have levine than harden straight up and then you're giving me uh batum and, and covington so i i think there's and, and of course, what Harden would have been on the Sixers where he's holding out, like, it wasn't going to work for us. So I think you could look at it as a home run for the Sixers depending on what they do with it. And I'm not even necessarily saying they should go for Levine. I actually have a shocking guy. I, I, you, I don't think you'll see who I want them to get uh, coming for me because you know my takes. Um, but, yeah, I, a rehash in the trade. I think it's been great, and I'm just, you know, I'm excited to see uh, what Batum and Covington can do as they grow into their roles out like you said i don't think morris is gonna factor in which is crazy because i swear two or three years ago he wasn't cooked but i think he just fell off the quickest (laughs) so anyway
1: yeah he did but yeah the the, at least with the two like and again the whole point of the trade was to open up the flexibility getting off of pj's deal was you know pretty um, nice for next year yeah pretty not insignificant so um obviously Daryl is still looking for, I don't think he's he's of the mentality of trying to create a new like, star big three. He's just trying to get whatever helps the Sixers. Um, it's kind of complicated because two of the guys that can help are in Toronto and Masai Ujiri is just the most like unpredictable guy and he probably still hates Nick Ferris. So I don't know. Trading guys to Philly is really something he wants to do, but we will see. Um do is, is only only standing started. on it now. You don't want Siakam?
0: No. Bias two point so I'm good. But uh, I don't. Uh, and OG, uh, here's my other. I we're whatever we're doing the transition into it. We're we're gonna talk about the trade targets. I we talked about Levine briefly. I will. I'll get your thoughts on that in just a second. But I want to say about OG is, OG I think has this reputation that is, he's kind of like a Jalen Brown or a. And maybe Jalen's a little bit more equipped or uh, Mikhail Bridges, like he's miles away from Mikhail Bridges and you're going to have to pay him 40 million a year. And Mikhail Bridges makes like 25. And of course that you're not going to oh, get Mikhail a- Bridges, but and it's, it's what the situation is and he would still be a very useful player, but I just think it's such an overpay and we'd be looking at a, not to call another Tobias 2.0, but like a Tobias Harris contract situation where if you trade for the guy, you're going to have to give him all the money. And I don't know how comfortable I am with giving OG 40 million a year. So uh, I would look elsewhere and to another trade target that I think it's going to be hard to get, but I think he might be on the block. So I'll talk about that guy later. But what are your thoughts on Levine for this? Um,
1: I, I feel like he's not on their radar because he has so much money tied up to him in the future. And Daryl, again, on his interview on the Ricky, kind of indicated that he wasn't going to trade with someone for the specific purpose of resigning them. He was, he obviously would, would like to Which trade. Which points for against OG that, as well. Right. He, he would like to trade for someone that. The Sixers are interested in re-signing, like not someone that he knows is going to be a rental. But yeah. if you're trading for Levine, you're trading for him for the next few years. he also mentioned
0: defense, which is not Levine's and defense, thing.
1: which you know. Um, and he also
0: seemed to indicate like more of a wing sort of thing in my mind. Like he didn't, yeah, he so, didn't specifically ask point guard. Anyway, go on.
1: Yeah, I will say one thing about. <clears throat> I've seen some people say like, "Oh, you can't trade for Levine or even Donovan Mitchell if if Cleveland really goes south." because it's too redundant with Maxi. I don't, like, I do kind of agree that a score first guard is a little redundant, but I don't think it's so redundant that you should automatically rule somebody out. Like, they clearly need ball handling, and having right. another guy like Maxi, like, play, like, the, it gives you indeed, options
0: if Maxi's not doing well in the in the postseason or whatever it may be. You can still win those games. And that's the issue before because if like Ben Simmons wasn't doing well, we didn't have a playmaker. If James Harden doesn't wasn't doing well, we didn't have that like score playmaker guy. So like I, I don't think it I do think there's redundancies, but there's never a problem to have too many guys Th- that can
1: right. the, the, the Maxi and B two man game is already so good that you kind of have to shift defenders over. But well, what if you could swing it to someone who can take it right to the rim or create another shot or whatever? Like, And then you also, you know, Maxie seems to be doing a pretty solid job leading the second unit. Now you have someone who can handle the ball with Embiid still while Maxi is resting, which I think is very helpful. And then, like, even in the lineups where they're together, like, you know, even, you know, Levine specifically, I think he might be more inclined to buy in on defense on a better team, on a better – you know, infrastructure with what the Sixers have, not to say that they're going to turn him into the next, you know, Marcus Smart on defense or whatever, but I do think that considering a star guard like Levine is in play, but Levine specifically, I don't see just because of the contract situation. Again, it's it's it'll be interesting to see to what degree Daryl values the cap space. I feel like, for example, Donovan Mitchell, I'm not sure what his contract situation is exactly, he might be more two years
0: Darryl, thir- uh 30 a piece i think he sounds
1: right yeah. might be more willing to trade for someone like that and eat up some of the cap space for at least this summer but i feel like he wouldn't really love it so i don't think he's ruling out guys that aren't expiring but i do feel like an expiring contract is kind of like a big part of what he's hoping to find in this
0: yeah. speaking of Marge, marcus smart interesting to note a, he could be someone who's could get but uh interesting to note that he no longer plays for boston he's no longer talked about as a great defensive player that uh it, mm-hmm. on the one and what are they one and six the,
1: the, he's not the beloved golden child of the bmm yeah cra-
0: crazy when, when a player leaves boston that they no longer are talked about as being a great player uh, crazy how that works um anyway <laughs> uh Yeah, I I mean, Levine, I think would be good. I I wouldn't be mad at Levine. Uh, Honestly, I think Levine could, even though OG fits better, I think Levine might be a better, if if I had to choose between the two. I don't don't think they're great options, though. And I don't think, if there's not a great option, I don't think the team should necessarily do it at a chance for, because that's what it seems like. It seems like you'd be doing it because it's like, oh, it increases our title chances this year by 2%, but I don't know how great that percentage is to begin with. If you can wait until the off season and get like a significant guy, I think it's something you have to consider. I don't love waiting out Embiid, bead, but honestly, this is a better situation than I thought they were in prior to the season. I thought Embiid was going to be asking out. I think now they look poised where maybe next year they could, they could build a serious team, uh, which leads me to my trade target. Unless you have anything else to say on that.
2: Go ahead. Let's hear it.
0: So, um, I'm I don't I'm definitely not the first one to mention it. I think it's anyone that's looked around on the trade machine has has come to this realization. And granted, this is another stingy GM you'd be dealing with here. Uh, and this is a player I've kind of hated in the past. But he makes enough money, or he makes money where you could still get a max free agent next year with what the Sixers have. And that is Lowry Markinen, who the oh. Jazz have been terrible. They have John Collins, who... If I'm looking at it like I'm Ainge, I'd be ready to move off Markin because A, I think it's kind of a sell high, which I think is a, a smart move. But B, if you get rid of him, you can start Collins. Collins will look pretty good in Utah, I think, uh, if without Markin in there. And I don't know the thing about marketing of course, just sharp shooter will shoot a lot. Love that. I would he would look great. He would he could be the long term replacement for Tobias. Um, and like I said, he only makes like 17 million a year and he's got, he's under contract for one more year. If you have marketing and Embiid, you could still give Maxi all of his money. And then you'd still have enough cap space. You could sign OG and Anobi at that point. And if you had a team of Maxi OG and, and I know we're talking two years down the line, but Maxi OG marketing and Embiid, like that is, they, they do a lot of, all those guys do different things. They could, and they're, they're all very good shooters. So I think that, that would be a pretty lethal team. To be honest, and 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 I do think you could get OG and Anobi if you're the only team offering him near max money, because I do think they would be. Because I don't think he's worth it. And plus, look at all the teams that have cap space. Um, so for me, I actually think Markin is my number one target for the Sixers, which is crazy for me to think. Maybe some guy becomes available that I don't know who. Maybe the Clippers fall apart, in which case I'd much rather have Paul George, even if he's an expiring, just because I think he's such a good player. But I don't see it. the Clippers making a deal with the Sixers. Um. That was just someone for an example, though. Um, who knows? Maybe LeBron's available because the Lakers are fucking abysmal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love Markin and uh, he, and as much as I don't buy him, he's two years in a row where he's in the mid twenties in points, and he's still a, a, a sharpshooter and. I don't know, I think he'd look really good with on an embiid led team. We see what he, we saw what he did with Redick. Of course, Martin's a little bit of a different player, but I mean, we would just have offensive firepower and you're not taking away from Maxi in the same way that Levine does. So what are your thoughts on Laurie Markin?
1: I like it. I actually wrote about him as a potential trade candidate this offseason because <clears throat> um the way at the trade deadline they were involved in the Westbrook Mike Conley delo swap they gave up a bunch of starters and all they really got was like getting off their money. So I figured that they were going to try to sell high on their guys. And that might not take as much to get Markman. I do feel like it would make sense to, you know, trade him. So you can then go get on the shopping Collins. Um, cause they're young. I don't think they're going to want to like pay up Larry. I'm sure they like him, but I don't think they're going to want to like max him out ish because he's still kind of like in his prime. I think it would be really interesting to have him as a five with Maxi, give him like a stretch space to just attack even more. And I think he is skilled enough to fit in with Embiid and Maxi together and whoever else. I don't think he can be a five,
0: but but it would be. I mean, I think it would be awesome.
1: Yeah, I think I think they could go to different, at least maybe from time to time. Again, he's not a natural five, but I think he's big enough and can you know rebound well enough, and maybe with the right you know defensive players around him. it could work, maybe not as the permanent backup unit, but as something to, you know, different looks here and there. But regardless, um, I, I still think they need someone that can really handle the ball a little bit more. But if they are able to add Larry, I think that would be fantastic. And again, Larry looks pretty good on a Jazz team with not much sporting piece around him. Maybe he's not averaging. I mean, maybe he is even averaging 20 on the Sixers, but not. He's averaging, what, 25 last year? Probably yep. not getting there on the Sixers, but he is going to be more efficient with Maxine and Meat helping out. So I, I like that a good bit. And it, like you said, it's I, I feel like contract wise, Mark. You maintain Morris flexibility, up which yeah. I think will
0: be baked into the trade value. And Ainge is a bitch to deal with. That's not me calling him a bitch; it's yeah. just a pain in the ass to deal with on on the trade. Like it like he, he does a good job. I'm not even criticizing Ainge. Um, I I think so I would I think. trade. I think I guess I would trade two first round picks. I don't think I would trade three for for Mark and then, though. Yeah, I would, um, not three, two, and even two seems like a lot, especially depending on which of those picks are. Because honestly, I like I do kind of like those Clippers picks because I think James Harden makes everyone fall apart. Uh, but and they're
1: old anyway. Like even if they do win right. the championship this year or next year, they're not going to be that good in the future. Yeah, they now Grant, want they're they're LA they want the first year of the Intuit but... Dome to be pop and then, and then the next few years after that, they give like because they do have they're moving into the new stadium next season.
0: Yeah, uh, but I don't know. I just think more. I do because I do. I mentioned the. The minor concerns I have in shooting was one of them. And marketing definitely fills that void. It would make me comfortable with that. I still think they'd be a little loose on ball handlers and, uh, you know, maybe wing defense and, and sucks because Uber is only a one-year deal. Uh, plus, Melton's expiring. I know Melton's played like shit, but he's going to get more money than he's making this year. So in terms of trades, that's another guy I would look to, to trade, not just because he's p- playing like shit. I actually, you know, um, I wish he was playing better so that you could trade him more easily. Uh, I do wonder. He, I don't know what the Bulls are thinking, but you could hypothetically just trade Melton for Caruso straight up, and the Bulls would then <clears> maintain <throat> his rights. He's an expiring, so they could re sign him. And Melton's younger, despite the fact that he looks 45 years old. Uh, and Caruso, I think, is 29, I, uh, I believe. And I think Caruso would be a perfect fit in Philly in terms of more of a model.
1: Absolutely. He's so, yeah, I, I've seen him as a new Sixers, uh, tra- Sixers quarter darling. Um, He'll be fantastic.
0: He's already super energetic and
1: super smart. And I don't, I, last year his shooting wasn't like great. Let me see what it is now. But yeah, he would be, he would be really good. He's also got a good, like, you know, kind of like Melon. He's not like a guard that you just kind of like dish it to him, let him go to work. But as a connective piece, he works very well.
0: Yeah. Marcus Smart would be a great fit. I don't want him because I hate him. Not, not because oh, I hated him for what he did on the Celtics I just never thought he was that good I always thought he was overrated um but I do, the the fit is crazy I, I mean if you listen to Daryl on that on the Rice of Re that you mentioned he the kind of player he was describing and this player doesn't isn't going to play this year he kind of described like Alonzo ball he wanted a guy that was away from the ball, ball but could make plays I was like all right so like Alonzo or Marcus smart I guess um but I don't know for play.
1: so long man he's so good sorry I read him aside
0: Lonzo's I love Lonziff too. Thing
1: is very depressing. He's such a good player. He really like the, the the Bulls were so good and so much fun when he was healthy, and then he went down, and you know maybe it shows how kind of they were kind of a uh, a sandcastle. But yeah, uh, yeah, very, it's really unfortunate that he's out for who, who even knows how long
0: it exactly. is crazy his development i could go into a whole rant on this but i didn't like him in the league because of lavar and just him being overrated uh, like not that uh, you know the internet doesn't good. influence everything i have but i was like there's no way this guy should be the second pick but then he got a lot better at stuff i thought he like shooting that i thought he'd never get better i thought he wasn't worthy of second pick because i'm like this guy's just not a scorer and he can't really shoot i don't care what the numbers say he became a very good shooter he just completely changed his form and uh mm-hmm just he's so good uh at being a like a complimentary player so it's just it's a weird path for a number two pick uh but anyway that's my monzo side he was someone that the sixers were interested in a few years ago if, if people do recall uh i believe that was the um last year ben simmons that when he went to the bulls that the sixers were interested anyway um but that yeah that was the sort of player he was describing another Guy, so the other, besides marketing, that I'd be trying to target, and this team has a lot of wings. I don't know how many first you would have to include, and this is always like a hard trade to to figure out. I'm not going to go through every trade target, but do, do you think there's any chance they could do like a Melton and a pick for Trey Murphy sort mm. of deal? Because I don't know. The Pelicans have so many wings with Herb Jones. Yeah. Uh, I should also note Trey Murphy's currently injured. I just think uh, – I think he'd be such a great fit on this. I, I would fucking love Trey Murphy. Uh, he
1: would be, but I, Mellon's also kind of a wing, too. And I feel like New Orleans already has plenty of picks, I feel like. So I feel like they'd just rather kind of stick it out with Trey Murphy. But
0: yeah, Trey yeah. Murphy's
1: great. You know that yeah. I love Trey Murphy. I, w-
0: I was guy. trying to see if there was a trade where I could do, like, get Trey Murphy and Dyson Daniels. And I was like, because I don't know if they're willing to bail on Dyson Daniels just because he doesn't. Re- I feel like they both don't really. Well, a Trey Murphy fits, but I don't think Dyson fits what they need uh yeah and, and it, i don't know it, it was just really hard to make a trade but i would love to get either of those two um i just want to mention two in terms of uh and also like they don't fit the time frame for the six or so think they're realistic that's why i'm not spending a ton of time on them uh another one that's not realistic but i just thought was funny uh i mentioned bill simmons earlier bill simmons he said a couple of months ago that he would not trade Josh Giddey for Joel Embiid, despite the fact that he thinks that Thunder should make moves to contend now, and now he said that Josh Giddey might be expendable, which I, I know it's not a report, but I just thought it was a wild take to to go from two months ago. However, I do think Josh Giddey, if he were available, would be an incredible fit. I don't know if Sam Presti needs three more first-round picks. Um, I he needs four they,
1: more first-round picks. Right. We know him. loves first-round picks. Yeah, the no, fact that for... they got involved with the, with the Harden trade was... Oh, Le- I love I love Preston. Pitches, but. <laughs> I
0: know you hate him, but I love Preston. Well look, look, look my, my
1: whole thing, I don't hate him. I was very much like not ready to like um sing his praises because he got a bunch of draft picks. I wanted to see him actually build a good team. And so far it seems like he has. Chad has been off to a fantastic start. Shea is awesome. Jalen Williams is awesome. So Jalen like, Williams. I was just, just not insane. like it was I love like, that guy. I felt like look, I understand you wanna as a GM of a rebounding team. Give your team as many chances. He was doing. He was following the the Hinkie playbook. All which I'm makes saying sense. is
0: he got a first round pick and Al Horford for Danny Green, and it was like just
1: wild. And then he got another first round. No, listen. I'm not saying that, that wasn't impressive. I'm just saying like to prop him up as this like genius builder was like premature. It was counting chickens before they hatched. Like congratulations, you got all these eggs. We're like, let's see the chickens a little bit first. Like, okay. I I wasn't like I was just kind of like it. Uh, the fixation amongst, not not you specifically, but so many NBA fans are just trades and like, oh, draft picks and it's great. But then once that draft pick becomes a player, the calculus is so much different. So I wanted to see what he did with those draft picks before I was ready to laud him as this like futuristic genius. And again, the Thunder look really good. So I think now that praise is starting to come around and be more worthwhile with how good some of the young guys look. And they've obviously got a long way to go, but the progress they've made, and again, with Chet playing, um
0: isaiah joe it looks better
1: isaiah joe
0: i will never forgive daryl for isaiah joe yeah, uh, i mean a, that was at at least such a tough one to
1: give him up for, or for doc. again like i mean part of it was also doc like not playing him which helps
0: yeah i, I don't forgive anyone so
1: low that daryl couldn't trade him for anything or traded him for fucking like but a, i
0: actually liked daryl i hated doc so i will but that's what i'm
1: saying forward. like daryl <laughs> like letting him so you doc mostly is the blame for isaiah joe in your yeah mind. sure okay, but
0: still daryl didn't have to wave him for montrez harrell
2: that's uh, I, don't, I don't know have
0: to do that. but um anyway i just wanted to mention kitty for shits and giggles uh but uh, i do think you'd be an incredible because like that's also the kind of guy that would fit on this team but it's just it's not gonna happen yeah um I don't think so. here, here's one uh that you know I, I cooked up just for you um now granted it had a little bit more oomph when i was uh first you know coming up with this trade uh a couple days ago. Uh maybe it won't hit as hard today. But uh Sixers give up Tobias Harris, Furcon, Korkmaz, Daniel House, and Jaden Springer. For Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. You know, you gotta get off of the wow. Julius Randle contract. To get wow, Jay- wow. No, I, I just wanted to troll you. Uh I don't uh, that's not a serious offer that the Knicks
1: are not right. giving up on of course.
0: I know that that was sarcasm. I just wanted to make a joke about Julius Randle being the worst player in the NBA and that you have to cap them coming Brunson. soon. Jalen Bronson as a sweetener uh to get rid of him. So, <laughs> anyway. I sweetener. Yeah, right. Uh anyway, that was that was that. Uh, another guy I, I think is interesting is Herter. Um once again I keep going for like wing shooters, but I just don't think that guard is out there for them um Herder makes a little bit too much money which i thought was interesting but um i don't know uh in terms of a guard d i hate him but like, this is just a, a podcast i can cannot- hate yeah wow. um i don't know he would fit yeah, i just i just don't really like him but uh, i don't know if the six if the lakers gave us a pick to get rid of d-low yeah gotta consider yeah
1: yeah um, i mean he's like you said, I, I he's got some skill for sure, but skills that translate to winning is a bit questionable. He's you know can obviously shoot, but he's you know very slow y in his attacking. Herder's very interesting. Uh, one of the greatest Sixers killers of all time coming to the Sixers would be quite good.
0: And, Seth Curry was like, the Sixers like, killer, to be clear. There, <laughs> it was. It was not. It was not Kevin Herder in that situation. Herter. Wow. Anyone could score on that guy. I think
1: he would fit. I, th- I mean, I can't see the Kings moving on from Herder, but I mean, unless it's like a trade where they go for a star. But I think Herder would fit super well as a shooter, as a you know tall guy that can guard multiple yeah. positions. I think it would fit, but I don't think Sacramento would.
0: Yeah, and these are none of these guys are guys I would get first round picks for. I was mostly just looking at the West so far. I'm gonna look at the East later for other pods. That's why all these guys happen to be in the the West. Besides my my Knicks troll, um, but. I've also thought about he's just not getting minutes and this is a young guy, so it doesn't really make sense. But from what Daryl suggested on draft day, it kind of seemed like they were trying to get Cam Whitmore in my mind. And, oh, yeah. And he's not really playing in Houston. And I do really like his skill set. So I wonder if there's some way they could pry Cam Whitmore. I, once again, it's just a weird trade to make. because It's like, why would a young team give up their young player? And what are the contending Sixers going to do with a 19-year-old Cam Whitmore? But um, I mean, they need a replacement for Ubrey long term because o- Ubrey, they don't have his rights. Like he's just going to be gone at the end of the season. So uh, I would love to see what my plus, you know, Batum and Covington are also expiring. Like, I don't know. This, this team doesn't the only player on the contract next year is Embiid and then is restricted. So those are the only two guys. You, well, I guess uh, Paul Reed. I forgot about him, but there's not a lot you can rely on in the future. So I just think it's uh, I don't i don't think it's ever really a wrong thing. Oh, and sa- similar uh Vane, I also thought about Tari Eason, who I was a big fan of last year. But...
1: I, I feel like they wouldn't give up Tari, but as you were saying that, I'm like, well, what if they pony up a little bit more to go for Eason, who is better, who I think will be better right now over the long term? But yeah, I, I think I, Whitmore
0: I get... is a more promising player. I like Eason a lot, though. I don't know. That's I like right. both of
1: them. Yeah, I don't think Houston's ready to trade Whitmore anyway. Yeah, even though he fell, he's still a first round pick, and again, if he's a guy that the Sixers like involved in like a multi team trade as like a project. I don't know. It's, t- it's tough for them to add a project now, which Whitmore would be, you know, more longer term.
2: But
1: yeah, I, I think it, he's a good player. It, it was interesting to hear Daryl hint that uh, he wanted Whitmore.
0: Yeah, I I um I, at least that's what I thought. And maybe that's wishful thinking because he played very well in summer league and I, I did like him out of college and he did fall. but um I will, important to note too, with us doing the Harden trade when we did, it uh, opens the window that we can retrade Morris, Batum, Covington, et cetera, if we choose to do any of that. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I, I could see, Batum, uh, honestly, sadly, I can see Covington and and Morris both being moved. Morris, especially, I, I think. I, I don't think there's any way Morris finishes with the Sixers, to be honest. Yeah, they're going to um, use
1: Morris in Salary. I, I do think it would be wise for them. Look, I mean, depending on who it is, you can't let these old role players get in the way but I really think they should try to hang on to one of the two in Covington preferably the two but just one of them because they're kind of really good for for David.
0: that would hurt me really bad if we traded Covington just just, thought, <laughs> uh, just be, we don't have a podcast for a, uh, I I started this after Covington was on the like we started this right after the bubble uh and so people don't have my Covington thoughts but I fucking loved Covington and uh hey you want to you, back you wanna get crazy
1: for going crazy for a second the miami heat are only four and four i don't think they're ever going to go into a rebuild mode but
0: trade covington so for jimmy trade. again in, sorry in, just, in, and then again stab me in the heart uh <laughs> no uh, it's not
1: gonna happen but the heat are playing bad so i thought it was at least
0: worth the with
1: the joking mention no give me not...
0: and and the other thing is too the heat just the fact that they've made the finals from the play-in, I think they're looking at themselves like we're gonna do this shit again. We're the Heat, we got this. Oh, yeah. Let, let's get our court Dude, that has eight thousand fucking... words. Yeah, <laughs> our paragraph in the paint.
1: That's such a fucking disgusting court. It's so embarrassing.
0: Call All the, the courts are I... terrible. They're they're <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, that bad. One,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one just just like grow the fuck up, you guys. But also, best conditioned when one of their <laughs> <Kyle> players <laughs> was criticized by Pat Riley a lot
2: of years ago for his conditioning specifically.
1: Yeah. He's still on the team. So funny. So fucking. There's so there's it was also like they fucking brought out these um I think it was their city editions of like the fucking like ugly gold ones to celebrate their championships the year after they were the fucking runner-up. Disgusting. Like I get it, you've won championships, so it makes sense, but like and I guess the timing would have been I don't know. I don't know if them making the championship would have been compared to them losing into say the conference finals if that would have made it any better or worse, but just so fucking corny. And like, if you're a team like the Celtics or the Lakers, where you're contending for the most in the league, makes sense. But then, like, and again, since they started, whatever, it's just, they're so
2: fucking corny. I can't. Handle it. I can't handle it. They're so mad and
0: corny. I, they really are. And Fuckers. I mean, I did not, I, I, don't, I don't want to get into it anyway. um I just want to talk about two, um two minor ones and then we can wrap it up uh, pretty much. But, uh, in the East, in terms of trade targets, uh, another couple guys I like. Now, once again, they just got signed, so it might you'd have to take a little bit. Uh, PJ Washington, I think, would be a really interesting piece. Now he does have salary long term, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know if Daryl would really like that, but it's only, it's only making around seventeen million a year, uh, which isn't. It's similar to Markman, and I think Markman's a little bit better of a player, so I, I'd prefer to go there. Um, but I, th- I think he would. Accomplish a lot of the things. Once again, I still think you need a long term solution at the wing. And I know he's more of a four, but just four, three, four, one of them at least can lock up. uh Another one, unless you have PJ Washington, well, you can get to both of them. I think an interesting one in terms of a guard is actually markel Fultz. Like, because Ooh. the Magic have too many point guards that they like, Fultz and, and Suggs can't play together. They're just, that is a bad shooting backcourt and it hurts other guys it hurts palo it hurts franz who they need to build around they need to get rid of one of those guys let anthony black play let say, Anthony, play. anthony black. like like they need to i'm not saying those guys are necessarily elite well anthony black i'm not sure about his shooting but i'm just saying like i don't know i i don't think fultz you can't have fultz Suggs, anthony black all together you gotta you gotta make some choices and they just selected anthony black so i mean i guess you could the other one you could mention is Suggs, and i did look into him but once again it's kind of one of those well like do i really want the sixers targeting a 22 year old and that i'm not really sure is ready for for prime time yet uh but uh i don't know what are your thoughts on either we'll go full Suggs, or pj washington if you have any um I, I
1: i would rule out um Suggs too i loved him coming out of Zocco, but but i can't though, believe he's not
0: th- as good as I thought he'd be
1: <laughs> yeah, um, Fultz is very interesting. I definitely see the Magic trying to, you know, consolidate on the younger guys and look to deal away Fultz. I think it would be just so funny. All the reunions. This is the season of Covington and-, and bring back, bring back Amir Johnson, bring back fucking Sosa Castillo. Honestly, just the, bring back Simmons at this season.
0: point.
2: <laughs> just
1: bring back Harden again.
2: Yeah, right. Um,
1: um, I, I like. I um, I think Fultz would be a really good defensive guard for Nick Nurse's. Defense I think he's you know, obviously the shot this player won't get there, but he's one of those you know I can see the his career is going to maybe go down the path of like. a Derek white a high level role player guard who hustles plays defense makes the right passes scores here and there. And I think he's got a little bit more offensive so game solid. than Derek
0: White, to be honest. Right, I mean, I agree, Maybe I maybe he's, he's more role good. player, or uh, maybe White's more of the role player, like slides in better because Fultz kind of has to do his own thing. He has to create a little bit, and you don't really want to do that with the role player. But That's I see true. what you're
1: saying. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, like having him try to create stuff alongside Max and beat will help a lot. Um, I like P.J. White too. He's been a Sixers Twitter trucker for a while. Um, one also other Hornets guy that I think I like – not long term better, but I think maybe for the short term might work better. Um, what do you think of Gordon Hayward?
0: Yeah, I mean, what would that be for though? Just Morris and, and someone else, or are you including Tobias in that? Because, like, I don't, I don't know if I would, make I don't the think they would have Tobias. to include
1: Tobias. I think it Morris and I don't know, I guess, but I too. Think, I think Hayward has a little bit more of like a creation. I would, I juice. would not trade between
0: Hayward straight up, to be honest. I get it. Just, That's right.
1: The, the injury concerns with Hayward are also very much. Well, there. it's just
0: the the defense with Zoom. It's yeah. nice to have a guy who makes the right passes by his defense. I know Gordon Hayward's got well, like Gordon, more yeah, yeah. go to to his game. I don't know what would it be. Like I think if you st- could stack enough contracts that they were willing to take, like I think you could work your way up there with. I think Furcon House and, uh, which finally free Furcon, uh, <laughs> you can. I think that would be almost enough.
1: Furcon uh, mentoring Lamello would be. Great for
0: Lamelo, yeah, and Lamelo could request three trades and never be out of Charlotte. It would be awesome. And then Daniel <laughs> House can can teach him how to cover for someone. I don't know Dan, or Daniel House covers. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah,
1: I I, I kind of actually forgot that you can stack uh, freaking House for and make ten million.
0: Yeah, it's so a yeah, it's a shot. Shocking... They wouldn't have to it's a shocking amount that uh you can add up to and especially with all the depth on the Sixers like you could I mean it it takes two to tango I don't know if the Hornets are willing to waive two players for that sort of deal I mean maybe they are maybe they're they're not but um it does take two to two to tango but the Sixers are very deep I mean we didn't talk about some of those guys I mean I honestly still think Mobama could probably play a little bit and he's not so I I actually do wonder if you include Paul Reed in, in trade talks at any point um and just get rid of everyone that's under contract next year, besides Embiid. <laughs> but uh, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily advocating for that. Uh, I do. I am sort of advocating for a Melton trade, not because he's playing like shit, but because uh, the, we're better, get, better we're gonna to be get something up.
1: for him or use him in a trade than to just like.
0: I don't think he played this role either. Or... Yeah, I I just don't think he can be this. I don't. I don't think it's sustainable in the playoffs. Him and Maxi in the backcourt. I think you need someone that's a little bit more. Uh more skilled with the ball in their hands and and, and i do really like melton so I, I won't have a complaint if he's on the team in the rest of the year i also think you have to trade springer i know they won't or um, i shouldn't say i know that they won't i i know he's not really a trade target but just please if if you can get a second rounder for him just just do it he's never going to be a player no offense to you i i hate yeah. to end on the springer no, no, just really sinking your hopes and dreams
1: let's, let's end on hot takes then I have a <laughs> hot take that i've been waiting do you have any uh, Is there uh, any other extra stuff you want to talk about?
0: First? No, no, I'm I'm all good. We can go straight to takes. That, I'm sure. in, yeah, unless you wanted some, but I I'm glad you had a take because honestly, I wasn't sure if we were going to do one. But um, I'll, uh, what do what do you got, Sam? All
1: right, so it's one that I've kind of had. To, I've been amending since I hinted at it to you to help, like, make a reminder for it. So, but I'll I'll say it as originally came to me and that I explained to um other people previously not in our group chat but um, my original the original formation of this take was that I'm not a big Scott Hansen guy and I don't I think sometimes NFL red zone is tough to watch now what annoys me about the red zone production is that Scott Hansen talks over the commentators of whatever games he's showing and it annoyed me to know end I understand like you're zipping around to the other games. You need to provide context because we're not watching the one game. You're watching the other games. You need to provide, you know, how this team got down the field or if a guy got injured or a big player or whatever. But it just annoyed me to no end that he continued to talk over the commentators and would like call the games as they're happening when there is already someone doing that. And just the layering of the voices pissed me off so much. But I'm willing to concede slash acknowledge that part of it is because of maybe the red zone uh production team like if you're just showing a game you're in the middle of a drive um then just let it be let that audio be but if you're switching over from game to game with scott hansen providing the context which again is his job and it's important just cut off the audio from the games and just let it be scott it just it pisses me off that to hear them both and like scott is obviously very like energetic and seems to have a great passion for the game, which I very much admire. Um, But I don't know, like me personally watching the red zone, I would much rather have someone with like a Joe Buck, like kind of like just a dry, just like a, you know, bare bone style of commentating where it flips over and, you know, Eagles in the red zone looking to score against the Giants. And that's it. No more like, you know, fluff that Hanson adds. I do think overall Scott Hanson's passion makes him more, entertaining than joe buck at least in certain you know context or whatever sometimes at least for football not he would big on joe buck but that overall now my my take is that the red zone production annoys me i it's less hansen initially i understand that he has to provide the context but i think that it's just so annoying to have to hear him talk over games and if they want him to be the commentator for games Turn off the, you know, whoever is doing the commentating for uh, Fox or CBS, whoever. I just hate the dual voices. But I've amended my take so it's not squarely on Scott's fault. I,
0: I thought you, like, your take started off stronger because it was on Scott Hanson. I was like, wow, anti Scott Hansen. Um, yeah,
1: and it, it's really not. Again, like I said, it's it's it, part of the situation. Part of it is like.
0: I, I see what you're he, saying. That's not he like... goes too
1: far and it just pisses me off. But also I think like it's just and they've been doing this for almost a decade now. Like they should know, like, okay, Scott's gonna do his thing, he's gonna rip, let's cut off fucking Jim Nancer, whoever's calling the game, because it's like carrying the two the two voices it fucking annoys me.
0: I have a lot of announcer takes so um i I actually should say as i fucking love scott hansen but yet i do like this take i actually kind of agree with you at some points that he does talk over and it's kind of like dual commentaries and sometimes scott hansen's not and he he does have a tough job sometimes he's not fully aware of what happens and i think sometimes he's explaining what happened but he doesn't have the full story and it might be whoever's in his ear whatever it may be Mm -hmm. Uh, but sometimes he doesn't have the full story and he's explaining it incorrectly and i think that can sometimes be an error but I don't know. I think Red Zone's an incredible product. and
1: It I, is. It is. It's just, it, and I always tune into that um, every Sunday. I yeah, unless, unless my team's playing right good.
0: there, I I will watch right. Red Zone. Uh, and if I were a Giants fan, I would just watch Red Zone and then turn it off whenever the Giants are playing because what an abysmal product. They look show the
1: Giants on Red Zone. They don't have a fucking offense.
0: Yeah, well, Tommy DeVito needs to get his Tommy, fucking Tommy shine. Tommy um, yeah, I oh, will. I, will I, I mean, I do love Scott Hansen. I will say in some ways, I don't stand for any Scott Hansen slander. Uh, one, And you're not alone. There's a second person. I think Malta's uh, friend that I've talked to, I hate Scott Hansen, But um, I uh, I think Scott Hansen, what I love about him is he's so in love with sport and he really cares. And I think a lot of the media <clears throat> isn't with, with their sport, more so in basketball than football. I think football is pretty positive yeah. as a whole.
1: Baseball, too. A lot of crotchety old men yeah. shaking their fists at StatCast and whatever.
0: Right. But it's like, it's like Pat McAfee too. Like I love Pat McAfee because he loves football and he's not going to talk about like, I understand there are important issues with CTE and and all these other stuff that they talk about. And, but sometimes it's nice just to have a guy be like, I love football. I'm going to talk about how great this game is in front of me, especially when we have, like I said, in basketball, basketball, most of the coverage in basketball is focused on off court and trades and everything like that. It's not on the actual product itself, which maybe that's a problem with the product. But I think the media takes some blame for that. So I I don't know. I I love Scott Hansen for what he stands for, I guess is the end of of this. And I find him entertaining. So
1: Yeah, I think and I think that's fair too. Like he again, I very much recognize the fact that he has never used the bathroom from the hours of (laughs) one o'clock to seven thirty Eastern on a Sunday for the past decade years or whatever. Like it's a tough job and he he genuinely seems to love it and has a great passion for the game and the highlights that they show. And that's awesome. I just feel like the and, and again, that's why I've since adjusted it to the production. Like Scott Hanson kinda is the show because he's the main host. He's the only guy they have there. So the fact that he is kind of making his thing makes sense. I just hate when they're flipping to a game and Scott's like, and we take you live to Carolina and now Bryce Young, oh, and he gets intercepted. Like yeah. that that's the part that annoys me. And I think it needs to be a decision of he needs to be quicker and save his riffing and talking for when there's no action or when there's break in the play he needs to add context to or just do something different that's fair
0: enough yeah i love him uh i will say i like that you snuck in like a pro joe buck thing in there because people hate joe buck but i i love i actually like i think joe buck's one of the best i
1: like uh, joe buck for for football i don't know he just like
0: here's here's my mini joe buck take real quick i do think he is better for baseball it sucks that he doesn't do baseball anymore but uh buck is i think he sucked when he started but and people just made all their opinions back then, and they haven't adjusted to the fact that he's way better because we don't seem to accept that commentators can get better, though we can with other sports or you know, just, just athletes in general. We accept that getting better, but and I, I know it's like maybe nepotism, uh, with his, his dad, but I think Joe Buck's amazing. I wish he called baseball. I that was honestly one of my biggest commentator takes is like, I don't even think there's a good national TV voice for baseball, and Joe Buck I thought was incredible
1: not um ben davis i don't, his name.
0: Davis? I don't the fact you don't know his name is is, is actually that, <laughs> that, 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 that proves i don't i i'm just saying like joe buck was iconic uh, even though he sucked for the Phil, if you watch the Phillies call, it is one of the worst. Co- when the Phillies won to 08, it is one of the worst calls of all time. Yeah, that
1: that was horrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Phillies are world champions. Yeah,
0: yeah, right, right. He yeah, and stairs rips one into the night. But he got so much better as the years went on, and uh, I actually really like Joe Buck now, and and it actually yeah. sucks that he's on Monday Night Football because I really like the Manning cast. I actually really like Eli Manning for the fact I hated him as a mm-hmm. player but um,
1: listening to uh with joe buck uh game seven of 2016 like very iconic game regardless of who was calling it but some of his calls on like the last play on like the rajay davis home run like those were great
0: yeah he uh he's really good and this was this isn't even my take though i will i have a similar ish take in terms of liking someone that isn't very well liked um Mm -hmm. but yeah i think that I, i that'll wrap it up on my commentator take so far and i'll get to mine though even i think so uh, I will say James Harden what? threw an absolute dot to Iron Eagle, and we did not talk about that, and he's passing oh, yeah. up. The, I can't believe I forgot that about this in the, the main pod. Show. Yeah.
1: Ian Eagle's great, too. He's one more okay. okay. <laughs> he, comment. He's okay. Wow. He's okay. The, the go- okay, do you know who the greatest uh, play-by-play is for a specific NBA team? It's a person who has, is mainly for one NBA team. They do other stuff, too, but you know who it is. Do I know who? Uh, that's play by play. play?
0: Well, Mike Breen, I guess, is who you're referring to. Breen is time. up
1: there. I'm actually not referring to Mike. Are Breen you referring to like Timberwolves
0: old. or the the Portland guys? Because I know everyone loves those.
1: Not Tim- not Minnesota or who, Portland. Who is it? But it is more more obscure team.
0: I I, I don't know. I, uh, I a lot of times. I, guy. I, oh yeah yeah. Uh,
1: he, Eric Collins.
0: Yeah. Oh I don't
1: my know. god. He's he listen. He's very over the top. Hum diddly d. So, he he's so fucking funny, dude. He's so okay. Funny. I it's do like him like, in
0: this. It's my, same as my Scott hansen take. I like him because he like loves it and he's just energetic. But I do think he's a little much, to be honest.
1: He's very much, but for me, it, it, it's his brand of much. It. I don't know. Yeah, right that, just for like, me, I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah. It sucks that I mean, it's yeah, Just it sucks that the Hornets are such a. I mean, they're kind of like, Lamelo and Rashier, They. they it's being kind of interesting but it would be so much fun to hear him call like imagine him calling like the like prime warriors okay that
0: yeah. would be i know we're getting on a tangent about commentators but you didn't see this at the, did you see here did you ever see the clip of jim linem yesterday saying they gave him a big no, dose of not. d
2: no. oh my god
0: it, it finally <laughs> made its way around <laughs> the coach jim linem is a treasure and mark jackson's reaction is just incredible i, have to, I, I can't I have believe I did. Watch it then. Uh, yeah i got, is there I got a clip? Yeah. oh yeah, I yeah it's finally on there but I yesterday it was Jim Linem who of course is like an eighty year old man and it, it, honestly he just the life he just brought so much passion in life it was years <laughs> pent up of losing to the Celtics and talking about yeah. giving him a big dose of D talking about <laughs> the Sixers defense not 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 them shooting missing wide open threes I love Jim Linem guys a treasure give him a lifetime contract uh, I also like Mark Jackson too but, I um, I
1: heard from one of the guys on the Sixers beat that he really loves being referred to as coach when you say like hey coach you he really like oh, I, I hate when people do that that is I yeah it's not you're, if not, you're not my coach that I'm you're not, not my coach telling
0: you coach <laughs> yeah it's...
1: but I mean you coach long enough earn the, the nickname I guess but yeah that's I, I think I think you texted about it in the group chat that I saw as the game was going on. So I
0: was... would I was floored when it happened I'm glad other people picked <laughs> up on it because I was like did he just like, because it's Jim, he's doing his usual like Philly accent, like talking like normal. And like, I, I kind of, sometimes I tune him out. But I just enjoy hearing from him. But like, you know, it's, he's obviously, very, it's like Hubie, but he's like a, a treasure, <laughs> unlike Hubie, who should have retired 20 years ago. Um, But, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, big dose of D. Jim's nice. nice. Um, anyway, once again, still not my take. Here, here's my take. And uh, I think you're, you're a pretty good audience for this one. But uh, people hate Aaron Rodgers, uh, and I've had this one for a while. But as a person, Aaron Rodgers is fucking awesome. I and I'm not just talking. I love him on the field. I don't care about his views. He's a funny guy. He seems to get along with everyone. I don't care that he, you know. I we have different stances on world issues.
2: Yeah.
0: Rodgers and I don't care. Mm-hmm. Awesome guy. People don't appreciate Aaron Rodgers, especially as a player too just just with how good he's been because i think they've let it, people ever since he had the whole i say lying about COVID but it was really just him using he was misleading but he wasn't lying um about his vaccination status ever since then people have just been so anti Rogers and he's been such a great player throughout and i i don't know i just feel like they turned on him for that and they've let it affect their view of him as a player if he comes back from this Achilles injury, it will be a remarkable story, and everyone should be rooting for him. That that's that's my take.
1: Interesting. I respect it. He he's a very funny, interesting guy. He, he, I mean, he's at the point where some of his takes are so delusional that they're like funny to laugh. And again, like when the when the first when he first made his opinions about you know the COVID and the vaccine stuff, no and it was like, "What the fuck is wrong with this guy?" And I guess over time, once like. You just kind of accept that someone has that viewpoint. Eventually it gets funny to laugh at the reality that they live in. Calling Travis Kelsey Mr. Pfizer and like continuing to be That was uncalled like the for, biggest, to be honest. Right. To, to being like the biggest hater of Anthony Fauci still to this day. Yeah. Uh is it's fine. I see where you're coming from. And I do agree. Like obviously great talent. Um it'd be very interesting to see um if he comes back from this injury He's super old. So I doubt it.
0: But yeah. I just I, think as a guy though, I like never, all of his teammates tend to love him i i, I you know and even jordan love he was mentoring him throughout because he had that bad experience with Favre. like he seems like mm-hmm. a great teammate and just someone he seems like a great teammate he's on mcafee all the time he's willing to give his time for the media even if it's mcafee which is a little different media but <laughs> and, and i love that that wasn't a shot about mcafee it's just undeniably different than than everyone else and it's just former players but like i don't know more Athletes honestly should be like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's kind of my point. And when we have someone like Rodgers who's willing to give his opinions and real in a long form too, so we really get how he feels about everything, and then we just turn on him. I I just don't like how how people hate on him. I guess it, it, I just I think it's an incredible thing that he's doing. Uh, and of course, he's an amazing player. So okay,
1: and kind of, kind of a parallel to that. Um, a lot of guys kind of view one guy you like, one guy you don't like uh russ westbrook and james hard both of them have you know are kind of panned widely amongst the media but players swear up and down with their great teammates so it is interesting to see guys who kind of at least among certain like pockets of fans are like super disliked but amongst the players are treated like royalty i just think yeah and again especially... like, westbrook harden rogers are all different people whatsoever but it's the overall theme of like you know super talented guy that people don't like for certain reasons but players swear up and down that they
0: him. yeah i mean harden the only one i can think of i i don't think dwight but i think it was more so harden had an issue with dwight and i also think chris paul i don't think liked harden would be my guess um yeah just to see, but i don't think he had major issues with harden um, I see what you're saying, and it's actually funny that they play together, and it is – I think I like that you brought it up, not just because I always like to defend Westbrook, but one of the things is like, oh, my God, Harden left Westbrook as soon as this whatever, and then he wants to play with Westbrook all of a sudden. Like, clearly, Westbrook wasn't the issue when he was leaving Houston. It was yeah. the entirety of Houston.
1: It was Tillman Right. It.
0: Right. Like, I, I'm just I, – I think – uh, what- I think Westbrook does get a bad rap as a teammate, despite the fact everyone loves him uh, at, you know, even Oladipo giving him credit for when he took a leap as a player. He's like, yeah, yeah. Because Westbrook had this and, and so many other things. I, I think a lot of times the NBA media, and I hate NBA, as I mentioned before, NBA Twitter just is nauseating for me. I think a lot of them yeah. just jump to conclusions and we all, um, we all just assume something's true because like there might be a thread of truth to it. Like, like everyone just jumps on Westbrook all the time because yeah. of this he he
1: had beef with that one media person from oklahoma city and all of a sudden like a large swath of the media was like oh this guy's a jerk and stuff get along with
0: yeah i i don't think ross is great with the media for there. for what it's worth i think that's i that think he's fair. a bit of a dickhead sometimes than me and I, I i support of course i'm not that i'm really media but i want guys to be cool with the media and I, that's what that's why i like aaron Rodgers because i i think he gives the media their time where westbrook he refuses to talk about a lot of stuff which is kind of annoying but um
2: that's
0: fair. yeah no i i think I, I do think you're spot on wow we the take segment really just went on that was the longest take segment in the history of the podcast but i like it oh, yeah. um sam where can they find you
1: uh they can find me on twitter uh at, by sandy giovanni writing about the Sixers still and all writing about the phillies for philadelphia sports network picking up a another byline to write some some Philly stuff here and there. Um, I'm uh, on a great uh, staff over there writing about the, the Phil's, and they got an interesting offseason that is technically underway. Um, they have started by pretty much kind of showing Reese Hoskins the door, uh, and we will see what happens wherever he goes, what happens with uh, the Nola decision if he goes elsewhere, how they decide to replace him. And um, now there are rumors today that they might want to trade uh, Castellanos. So, rolled about
0: that rumor to be honest Can't i know ui castellanos and that that might be one of our biggest divisions here's the thing, I, I will say the
1: of, of the main guys i think he is the most expendable and the one that they should probably look to trade for i don't think they should shop him but i also don't think they should make him like untouchable and i do love him, stuff.
0: He's he great. does i mean i know it's he's funny to watch you, you uh, you've always i think you've given mitch credit to this one but like he plays like someone who plays MLB the show, yes. and but it's infuriating because yes, he doesn't does. learn, and the same issues arise yes. every postseason. He doesn't adjust. He he's honestly he reminds me of James Harden, which is why I hate him. <laughs> I knew he you looks
2: were like I knew you were. he I looks like he doesn't give a fuck during you. the
0: game. He sucks in the postseason, and like I don't know, he just like is kind of like a. Uh, oh, and honestly, player, it kind of goes to what you are saying. Players stand by him, but he seems, comes off as like dude Yeah, me. I don't. I I I guess he, he, he does kind of come
1: off like he he. He does come off like that, but I don't think it's him being pompous or him being a dick on purpose. I think he's just such like a matter of fact, like Frank yeah, guy that he's just so like blunt, and he's just like that's just the way he is. Um, no, I agree.
0: And and by the, all means, you can, the, you know, him and Liam Castellanos is is great. That stuff's awesome. So yeah, yeah. seems like a good guy in that way. But I don't know. He just comes across as douchey. For, I, I don't care about them as as people. A lot of the Phillies people, I would not get along with, uh, to be honest. <laughs> but in <laughs> like he is i i can't i can't stand him i I want him gone so badly uh reese is a little like i didn't love reese necessarily when he when he was playing
2: he was yeah
0: but i like the idea of bringing him back on a rental for cheap and then playing leaving price in the outfield so it kind of sucks that they ruled that out and then i think no one's just gonna get overpaid would be my guess so
1: yeah i think he's gonna go to uh st
0: louis yeah i guess philly's getting snell hopefully I, i would be my pivot I think so that would be interesting
1: because like Yamamoto would be interesting I I feel like the trade market has better guys to offer the the brewers are apparently open for business so one of those guys maybe Dylan Cease um we will see what happens
0: he scares me a little bit but I would definitely be interested I just don't know what his price would be but
1: yeah uh, probably pretty high but yeah I
0: don't know well you'll write about all this so but so uh, that's very exciting. Uh, you know, of course, yeah. lifelong Phillies fan. So it's cool that you can actually write about a team that you had. You know, I, I you've gone through all the trials and tribulations between Bobby Abreu, Jim Tomy, you know, when you were just, you know, sitting there and being a Phillies fan. Uh, but, uh, right. I, and, I, you know, I feel you, you know, Scott Rowland trade request was really hard on both of us, I know, when we were young lads. Uh, anyway. Bring me back to 08, man. <laughs> right. Bring me back to 08 right i Uh, did
1: dead ass if i can find the picture i dressed up as cole handles for halloween in first grade
0: wow look at you all right well if i can find that
1: picture i will look for it but i swear
0: yeah the last minute of that pod was of this pod right there was strictly for nick seato um anyway uh but yes uh the other nicky c that we know and love (laughs) right yeah um right of course not nick castellanos though um all yeah, right. Uh, cool. You can find me on Will Crawford on all social medias. Thank you for listening. Uh, I can't believe some of the hardened stuff I, I left in between there. Uh, guy refuses to shoot catch and shoot threes and whatever. Uh, but I, I've spoken about it forever. Uh, I'm enjoying watching the Clippers. So. You can find me on Will Crawford on all social medias. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Until next time, this was an unhinged take segment. So I hope you stuck you. around.
2: Yeah.